Maybe we won't read all that's on our heart. Let's just read maybe a verse at a time and walk down through this. Isaiah 29, let's start in verse 9. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. So, stay yourselves. That word means to question or to hesitate and wonder, to be astonished or confounded. Cry you out and cry. Now, those words, what we think of that meaning, that's really not what he's saying there. He's saying to look about with dismay and stare. Now, that's, that's what he's saying in these first few verses. I believe goes right together with the way we've already heard Anthony opened up with Consider Your Ways. John Wayne began the Sunday school with Forget Not. We'll hear the Lord saying, Just stop a minute. Take just a minute and think about these things that I'm about to speak. Take just a minute and look. And really, he's saying, Look at it with dismay. This ought to be something that astonishes our hearts. It ought to be something that when we see this and when we realize what's going on, that our hearts would be broken. Now, if you go back to the beginning of this chapter, he's prophesying to Ariel. Woe unto Ariel. That word means the line of God or the hearth of God, the altar, both implying Judah, the nation, the tribe of Judah, the tribe the Lord Jesus is going to come from. And really, if, if you're going to nail down a people and a tribe of all the 12 tribes of Israel that's got the greatest knowledge. Now realize this, that the 12 tribes as a whole have a far greater knowledge, understanding, and opportunity to serve God than anybody else on the face of the earth. Nobody on the earth has got anywhere near the understanding and opportunity that Israel, the tribes, had. And Judah, of all of those twelve tribes, Judah was the place where Jerusalem was, the place where Bethlehem was, the place where the temple was built, where the Levites dwelt. In Judah there was where the greatest favor of God was out of the twelve. And if any nation... If there was a question about the law of God, you come to the temple at Judah. That's where the priests were. If, if there was a, a, an offering that needed to be made, if there was a feast that was going to be had where God was going to be worshipped, Judah was the place that you came. But notice what the prophet says. Wonder at this. They're drunken. Now that word means intoxicated, tipsy. They're drunken and they stagger to waver, but not with wine or strong drink. Now that's a, if you've ever seen drunkenness, that's an easy thing to see what he's saying. You can see a drunken man and his faculties, that's inhibited. His thinking and his understanding is inhibited. His ability to react and to handle situations is greatly inhibited. His ability to walk all of these things are hindered because he's been intoxicated with something from without 
that's come within him. And that drink, that's the example here, that drink that comes from the outside to the end, it's more than just something to satiate the thirst, but it alters the mind. And it alters the thinking and it alters the judgment. Well, now here's Judah and Jerusalem and Ariel, the line of God, and their thinking and their uh, judgment has been altered by something from the outside. There's something that has intoxicated them that has taken away their judgment and their thinking. Now, it's not wine. It's not strong drink. We're not drunken today on the drink of the world, but they're drunken, I, I believe, I believe the most intoxicating spiritual that there is is the lies, the deceit, the darts of the devil that creep in. The devil doesn't come in loudly making a great racket, but in Jude he says these enemies, they've crept right in, they've lodged right along you stealthily. You were unaware of it. You were unaware of the devil creeping in. And so often that's exactly the way it is. We're unaware that the devil is creeping in. Unaware that the devil is beginning to plant the seeds of rebellion down in the depths of our heart. Unaware that the deceitfulness of the devil is taking hold of our lives and drawing us away from God. you know what's happening as the lies of the devil are being planted? As the devil is creeping in, our judgment and our faculties is being clouded. Our ability to look on something and discern what's good and right and discern what's evil is slowly being taken away. Our worship, our testimony and our praise is turning from that that is spiritual and that that God done in the salvation of the soul and it becomes more and more carnal and worldly in things of this world. The understanding is being clouded by the lies and deceit of the devil. Now, how does this happen? I think there's a great opinion and thought of man that I'm in control. I'm going to keep myself. I'm the line of God. And I really don't need anything else other than that. Now, that's a lie. That's a lie that the devil sells a multitude of folks. But in the next verse, now they're drunken, they're staggering, and somebody with a sound mind, you know another drunk man may not recognize that, but somebody with sound mind and judgment can look and say, wait a minute, something is wrong here. Something is off. They are intoxicated with some foreign substance. For the Lord hath poured out. Now that word means to pour out, to anoint. The Lord has anointed upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath He covered now, it doesn't say that the prophets were prophesying lies. Isaiah's not saying that he 
and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and maybe uh, uh, these other men that were alive at this day, that they were out prophesying things that weren't true, but what they were saying was covered up. That they could speak the Word of God and nobody could look on it and understand what God was saying. That God could say, this is what needs to happen. This is where we are. And they were unable to look on that and hear that and perceive it. Now look on this and be dismayed that the people of God, the most knowledgeable, are asleep to what God says. Listen, I believe, I believe we can see a picture of it in Romans chapter 2. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest His will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness. So who, who are these? Well, these are church people. People with a great head knowledge. People that considered themselves somebody that could help somebody else. Somebody that could give somebody else advice. Somebody that could help them that are lost and undone. An instructor of the foolish. Somebody that can teach those that doesn't have knowledge. A teacher of babes. Somebody that can bring up these children and teach them about the Lord, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. Thou therefore that teachest another, teachest not thyself? Look at how blind that they were, that they would preachest a man should not steal. Dost thou steal? That even what they would say that even the advice that they would give to others, that their own life would not have in practice what they're saying ought to be. That you would tell me, well, you ought to pray. That you would tell me, well, you ought to love the brethren. You would tell me, well, you ought to love the gospel. You would tell me, well, if if you're going to be saved, God's going to have to draw you and God's going to live in you. I believe we could all say all of those things. That somebody that's saved is made a new creature by the working of the Holy Spirit that dwells in their life. We would say these things and yet as we inflect on ourselves, as we look, we know these things. These things have been taught us. We've received it. We've got a form of knowledge as he says here in Romans. We can teach that to other people but if you take a minute and look at our life, and the state of our life, are we doing the things that we know ought to be done? Are we doing the things that we would instruct others that they ought to do? Where is our life in regards to the Word of God and God's kingdom? How can it be that people that know that to get to heaven you've got to be saved, and to be saved... God's presence in the Spirit dwells in them, and yet their life is empty and dead without the Spirit, and they think they're going to heaven. How can it be that a people 
that says to be pleasing to God. It's not with works of the hands, but you're going to have to be saved and filled with God's Spirit and somebody that's in that shape ought to love the brethren. How many of the brethren ought I to love? All of them. Ain't it something that we all said that and yet we don't love we don't love everybody. You're lying. You hate some and you hate others. You despise and you dislike and the heart's divided. Now ain't it something that somebody with the knowledge of these things and yet their own life is out of practice with the Word of God. How, how can that be? You tell me what I ought to be. You tell me how I ought to live. You teach your children how they ought to walk and do. I wonder today, how are we in comparison to the Word of God? Be dismayed. They're drunk. Their judgment's gone. That's what he's talking about in the first chapter of Romans, that God's going to give them a reprobate mind. What that is, is God's taking judgment and their ability to discern good and evil, He's taking that out of their mind. That they can no longer tell the difference between that that's of God and that that's of the devil. They can no longer discern the difference between what's right and filled with the Spirit and what's of the devil and worked in the emotions of the flesh. Friends, we're nearly there. We're nearing that way. There's hardly any discernment. Any feller that'll holler behind the pulpit, well, that's God. I'm here to tell you that it's not. And we ought not think that. We ought not believe that. We ought to have discernment given from God. But we're so drunken. Our mind and our judgment is so clouded. And it's because, folks, the Lord hath poured out. He's anointed with a spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath He covered. Now why would God do such a thing? I believe this, I believe this first and foremost. God would like for me to learn that I cannot do this on my own. And that when God withdraws, and when God would allow the devil to begin to creep in, here's Simon Peter, here's Joseph Hunsinger, here's you and here's me, and we say, God, I'll never forsake you. God, I'll never deny you. Lord, I'll never live a life like that man's living. I'll never be bitter like that man is bitter. I'll never despise like that one over there despises. I'll never forsake to follow and please God as long as I live. I've thought that. And I've believed it about myself. And I've thought I could do it. And I've thought it was within me. But you know what God's done a time or two? He's let me learn just exactly what I really am. He let the devil creep in. And He poured on me a spirit of deep sleep. And when He come by and He said, Son, you better wake up. God come by Peter one day and He said, Peter, it's time to wake up. And it was with the crow of a rooster. And Peter woke up and said, My God, what have I done? 
I have done that which I swore that I would never do. You'll do it too. God would like for me to recognize that. That I would always, day and night, week by week, trust and lean upon Him and have no trust in the arm of the flesh. The vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it's sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. He saith, I'm not learned. So it's a sealed book. You take it to somebody that can read, they say it's sealed up, I can't read that. And you take it to somebody that can't read, and they say, I can't read. I can't see it. And so we've got it. We've got it in our hands. You've got it open in your lap right now. You hold it in your hands. You hold the very vision of Almighty God. You are holding, I think a lot of times, the weight of what you're holding is missed out on. You're holding and looking at, you're probably sitting right now looking at Isaiah chapter 28 and 29 in the Word of God. You've got the vision that God gave to Isaiah 2,700 years ago. You're holding that in your life. That that was written by the Spirit of God. We've got the vision. It's there. It's in the book. It's written there for our learning, for our admonition, for our instruction, and for our guidance. Nobody can understand it. Nobody's able. And here's what's missing. That spiritual application of how this speaks to me. How this deals with me that is missing over and over and over again. How that God, we see, boy, God's going to judge sinners. We see, boy, they done wrong and God judged them. But to take the Word of God and see, boy, if I do that, and if my life's found that way, that same thing's going to happen to me. That vision is gone. We look back in Noah's day and we say they should have been washed away. And we look back at Sodom and Gomorrah and we say they should have been burned up. And we look at our world today and we say they ought to be destroyed. But there's never any consideration as to where I stand in relation to what God says. I tell you it's closed up. God shut our eyes and people ain't going to see except God would reopen them. You got a form of knowledge. You see it for me, but you can't see it for you, can you? You can't. I mean, over and over and over again, the Word of God comes, the Word of God speaks, the vision is spoken, and it falls on ears that cannot hear it. Ain't that something? He said to Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, the people are still talking by the walls and the doors. They speak to one another saying, come, 
Hear what God's got to say. Come down and hear what the preacher's going to say. And they come, and they sit, and they listen, and they hear the words of the mouth, but never taking root down in the heart. And you know what it is? It's just a good sound. It's a pleasant sound. It's that that we're used to. It's that that we're accustomed to. But for the Word of God to ever speak down in the depths of my heart, that vision is never open to me. I tell you what a fearful thing to think that the Word of God comes by and you, you as an individual are never spoken to. You can look at it and say, uh, you can say, I see Vaughn. Vaughn needs to hear that part of the message. And we go home and say, Honey, I hope Joseph and I hope Morgan, I hope they heard that message tonight. That was surely for them. Something that there's never a word or a vision for me. You know why that is? I'm drunk. My judgment is gone. And God has anointed me with a spirit of deep sleep. And here's folks. Folks that said, I'll never. I'll never do. And I'll never be like that. And I'll never say those things. And here they are saying them. I pray to God that the cock would crow in your heart and you could wake up and come out of the Spirit of sleep. It'll be by the Lord's hand. It won't be because I've preached some hard word. God forbid it will never be the thought of the mind. I'm not even going to go down that road. We'll just do our best to follow the Lord. Try to preach you the little scripture that I believe you laid on my heart. And if you wake up, well and good. And so the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I'm not learned. So everywhere they turned, and everywhere they went, they could not find somebody that could bring the Word of God to their understanding. Now that sounds silly, maybe today, but really, just rewind, I think. So we had, what, 11 men in Jubilee? Eleven. And a couple years before that, we had eleven men in Jubilee. We've had opportunity to go and visit from time to time and hear other pastors and hear other men. We get to go every two or three months and hear another man preach over in community service. We've had opportunity to go to revivals and hear other men preach. And you know what's amazing? We've heard man after man, learned and unlearned men that are called to the Spirit of God, preach the gospel, and yet, God still not spoke to me. Now, do you reckon? I tell you what we ought to be. We ought to look at this in dismay and be astonished that we believe we're right. And God never speaks to me. We believe it's the preachers. And God never speaks to me. We believe we're above it all. And God's never got a word for me. I tell you what that ought to do. That ought to make me sit back and say, wait a minute, something's been wrong. But nobody does that. They're asleep. You see that? They have to be asleep and drunken. And the judgment's come. Why, preacher, I didn't know the devil come in. Peter didn't know he was coming either. Peter was just doing what he thought he ought to do. 
till God woke him up and the devil had been in control. The devil had led him the wrong way. The devil had caused him to be where he's at. Well, preacher, I ain't going to admit the devil's done anything. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to. The book is delivered. Verse 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. That word taught, it's an interesting one. The primary meaning of that word is to go. Now to go, if you had oxen in a yoke pulling a plow, you would go behind them. A sharpened stick behind them. That they wouldn't back out. When they started to back out, the goad would jam them in the back. And they'd keep on laboring. Now he says, the people, they draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me. Now there's still a service going on here. And you know, to the outside man, uh, we just finished looking in Bible study at Jezebel and her killing Naboth. You know what they had there when Naboth died? They had a trial. They had a fast, a religious fast. They had a trial with judges and with witnesses. They had a judgment that was based on witness and a man was stoned for his crimes. But you know what it ever meant was? It was a lie and a sham. The judges went and found the witnesses and the judges told the witnesses what to say. And the judges passed judgment on witnesses that they knew to be false. It was all a cover-up and it was never been a sham. That's what church is often. It's a cover-up and a sham to what's truly on the inside, to what's truly down in the heart. We say, boy, God's not interested in the flesh. God's looking at the heart. God desires truth in the inward part. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the end. We say all of those things. Boy, their heart ain't right. And yet we come and nothing's of the heart. Nothing is God stirring up in the inward man and causing praise and glory to come out not of the flesh, not of the eyes, not of the mouth, but welling up out of the inward man the very power of the Spirit of God. Very little of that, isn't there? But you know what there is? There's a lot from the lips. It don't go any deeper. It's from the lips. You know why that is? Well, it's taught by the precepts of men. It's goaded. Here's men and here's women and I want them to think that I've been in glory all week long. I want them to think that I'm not drunken. No, I'm not drunk. And no, I've not been asleep. And no, I've not been out in left field. And I've been doing like I ought to do. So what are we going to do to try to cover up our drunkenness? We're going to give a little praise right here. We're going to say a few words with a mouth. That's what God's saying. God's looking down on the ongoings down in Jerusalem. And He says they're coming near. They're honoring me with their mouth. But they've removed 
He quotes this in the Gospels. Jesus quotes this, this very Scripture. What they were doing was there to impress men. But as far as honoring God out of the depths of the soul, there was no desire from the inward man to offer God anything. And nothing was stirred up by the power of the deep down in their soul. I tell you the whale, in the whale, the water's down there. The, the good is down in the whale. You know, it rains every now and then. You can catch something off the surface. You can catch something in the rain. Is that the same thing? Is it the same thing? And yet, we think that just saying it's good enough, just saying it's well enough, you know why it's good enough? Because all we're concerned about is what people sitting here think about us. I tell you, in a lot of cases, we don't even care what people think here. Some men's sins are open, and they don't care about hiding. They want you to know how they live. They want you to know what I think. It don't matter how corrupt or how full of the devil that it is. I want you to know how I feel. Some men's are open. Some men's are covered up. But I tell you, they'll all be found out. You know what's covered right now? The gospel's covered to you. You want to know who's sleeping right now? God's not asleep. God's not missed out. No, it's us that's asleep thinking that we're well enough the way we are. It's goaded. By men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people. Even a marvelous work and a wonder. A miracle. And a work that is so great, it's near impossible to believe. I believe the work that God performed in the Lord Jesus that was a marvelous work and a work so great and a miracle so mighty that no one would believe it. But listen, the wisdom of their wise men shall perish. The understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. I tell you what, they've got some people in Judah they got some people that know the Lord down there. And maybe that's a great point to take pride in. We've got people down at Liberty that really know the Lord. That's got great wisdom. That's got great understanding. That God, God's in light. But you know what's happening? That wisdom is being hidden. That understanding that wisdom and that understanding of the Word of God is being covered up to our eyes. And the God's truth is, we know more than God knows. We know more than the Word knows. We know more than God's men know. We know more than everybody else. That's the way they were in Jeremiah's day, was it not? Jeremiah said, you go down to Egypt, you're going to die there. And they went down to Egypt anyway. They said, Jeremiah, we ain't going to listen to you. You don't know what you're talking about. We know better than you know. People stand in the face of the Gospel and they may not say those words out loud, but they look at the poor little man that God called and equipped to preach 
And they say, you're ignorant and unlearned. And I know more about God than you know. Well, then maybe tonight you ought to be up here. And you ought to teach. And you ought to preach. But you want to know the truth? These men say, why don't you open up? Well, I don't think I ought to open up. I just don't feel like that I ought to be doing that. You know what's wrong? I tell you, the man in the inward part is asleep. God has blinded him to our true condition. It's a truth. You know more. But you've never got anything to say. You know what I read in the book? I read that God gives man knowledge. You know why? You know why God gives teachers and preachers and prophets and apostles? You know why God reveals portions of Scripture to men? That I could bring it down here to the house of God, that I could share it with you, and that we could all profit from that. Boy, there's very little sharing. We know it all, but we've got nothing to share. Boy, I tell you, we ought to sit back at that and be astonished. We ought to look at that in dismay. My God, how drunken that we are. How foolish that we are and that we've been. How asleep that we've been. Uh, He's hid the wisdom. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord and their works are in the dark. I'm going to tell you the God's truth. What we do and what we say, we don't want the church to know about it. I don't want people to know how I really feel. I don't want them to know what I think about Dwight. I don't want them to know what I think about the church. I don't want people to know how I feel about the preacher. I don't want them to... You know what we're going to do? We're going to dig down and bury that. We're going to hide that from the vision of man and from the vision of God. And we're going to get away with it. There was a man in Joshua's day. He said, I'm going to get this. I want this wedge of gold. I want this silver. I want this Babylonian garment. I'm going to get that. I'm going to dig me a hole and bury it. And nobody will ever know. But God dug it up. They didn't go to five or six houses. And a million people in Jerusalem... I don't know how many houses. If there was 500, it would be a miracle, wouldn't it? So let's just say 500. Or a thousand different households. There was much more than that. And Joshua comes that day, and God says, right here's the man, and right here's the house. I tell you, he had dug deep, and he had hid it from Joshua. He had hid it from the church. But it was naked, and it was open before the eyes of the Lord. How drunk are we? to come down to the house of God and believe in our heart that God is unaware of what we've done and of what we've said and of how we've acted. Boy, that's drunk, wouldn't you say? A man that's drunk enough to jump off of the roof of the building, his judgment would be very inhibited, wouldn't you say? He's had more Well then how many now is the line of God, the hearth of God, the people of God, people down at Liberty Church, how drunk do you think they are that they believe God doesn't see them? 
That's drunken, ain't it? I tell you, we ought to be astonished at how far we can fall. David said of Saul, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. You know how Saul fell? On his own sword. It wasn't Goliath that killed him. I tell you, if Goliath, if he had went out brave to fight Goliath and Goliath killed him, he could have died a hero. He could have died one that the people that have said everybody was afraid and he went out to battle. But that wasn't Saul. Saul wasn't going to die before the people. He wasn't going to lay himself down in repentance. He was never going to admit that he was wrong. He was going to hold to his way. And I'll tell you what he did. He looked on his little armor bearer and he said, Hold my sword up. I'm going to fall on that and I'm going to kill myself. That's exactly what you're doing. You're hardening to the Word of God. You won't repent to the Gospel. And we are jumping on our own sword. Destroying our life. Destroying our reputation. Destroying our name in the world. And spiritually, we're destroying our inward man. Our hardness to the Gospel. How drunken. How drunken that man has become. Hide their counsel and their works are in the dark. Ain't it something... Now think on this now. We've come to a day that they want to legalize absolutely everything coming and going. They've done a pretty good job of it. But you know when the parties are? They're at dark. You know when the bars, businesses, and the clubs, you know when they're booming? After dark. You know when the casinos are hopping? At night. Now, why is that? It's legal. It's okay. It's widely accepted. And yet, all of this stuff takes place at dark. I tell you, that's the end man. Man can't get away from the conscience and the mind that God gave him in the beginning. And I'll tell you what it's got to be. It's got to be done at a time of darkness when all the decent people are asleep, when people that are trying to serve God sleeping and they're not going to be able to see it. We're going to do it in the cover of darkness that nobody's aware of it. But God's aware. Night by night. That that we've hidden. That that we've done in the dark. That that we've tried to hide. God is aware of it. Surely... Your turning of things upside down. That's one word there. It means to upset. Surely, you're upsetting of things. Now, what's been upset? What's been turned upside down? Well, we're offering lip service to God, thinking He's accepting it. We're coming down and we're hiding our counsels and saying, who knows us? Who seeth us? And who knoweth us? i tell you what's happened. God's been took out of the place of God and we've been put in it. We're the one that's determining. We're the one that's making the plans. We're the one that's ruling. And God's somewhere. God's below. The God's truth. He's below us. God's not in control of us. God can't see through us. We can hide from Him. We can deceive Him. We can do Him like we want. My God, ain't that drunken? That's drunken. I tell you what's happened. Things have been turned upside down. 
We're so drunken that now we're above God. And that we're better than God. And that we know more than God. But listen to what God says. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay to mold into form. Now you know what God's saying? Oh you that... You that think that you're going to make the decisions. You that think that you're above God and mightier than God. God says, when I look at you, I see you like the potter's clay. I'll mold you into what I want you to be. I'll make you how I want you to be made. I'll take you and form you. I'll tell you what Pharaoh said. We've got it written down in the Word of God. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should serve Him? He was above God, wouldn't you say? Would you say that he had things turned upside down? And Pharaoh was on top and God was somewhere underneath him. I'm not going to serve him. I'm not coming down to the Word of God. But you know what God did? God took Pharaoh like the potter would, a little lump of clay. And he formed him into a vessel of destruction. And then he took Pharaoh... And he broke him before the eyes of the whole world. Oh, everybody didn't see it. Forty years later, they're going to come to the border of Jordan and Rahab's going to tell those messengers, she's going to say, we heard that you were coming and our hearts have melted because we heard what God did to Pharaoh down in Egypt. God made Pharaoh just exactly what He wanted him to be. And God broke him before everybody. And you know who was glorified? Things weren't turned upside down always. God put Pharaoh in his rightful place under his feet. And as the potter's clay, for shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not. Maybe that's easily read over. But think about those words. The potter and the clay, and he makes a cup or he makes a bowl. Is that bowl going to look to the framer of that and say, He didn't make me? Absolutely not. I mean, it's impossible. That can't happen. But you, you know what we are? We're the molding of dust. John Wayne said it. Goliath fell into the dust. He was going home. That's where we are. God's molded us. God's framed us. God's put us together. The little life that we've had down here, God's led us to have it. The little bit of strength that we've had down here, God's let us have it. The mind and the understanding, God has allowed us to have it. And we look to God and say, God, you're not going to do with me like you please. I'm in control, God. Boy, how, how drunken that man is. Looking on somebody... Not just somebody. That may be irreverent. Looking on the Lord God Jehovah that made them and that gives them life. And they say, I'm not going to be molded by your hands. Pharaoh said that too. But you know what he got? He got molded. He got formed. 
And He got fashioned. As He says over in Romans 9, He was fitted. He was fit up in advance. He was made ready for destruction. God told Moses, He said, listen Moses, I'm going to destroy that man and the world's going to glorify me by that. And God took Pharaoh and He made him into exactly what He wanted him. And the harder Pharaoh got, the more glory that God got. God's going to get that to His. Things are not upside down. Preacher, I believe I can jump off of here and be alright. You better climb down. You're drunk. You don't know what you're saying. You don't realize the danger that you're putting yourself in. Well, preacher, I'm just going to harden at God and God's never going to do anything about that. I tell you, we're drunk. He hath made me not, or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he had no understanding. God didn't know what he was You think God's got any understanding? That word means to separate mentally or to distinguish. It's not just saying that God's ignorant. But I tell you what it's saying. It's saying I'm going to come down to the church and I'm going to offer something from my lip and I'm going to offer something from my hands. I'm going to offer something from my wallet. I'm going to do what man expects me to do. And God, He's got no discernment. He's unable to separate mentally. He's unable to distinguish what's real and what's fake, I'm going to go down and offer this to God and God's just going to accept it every bit. Do you believe that's the truth? Do you believe that God... No, I tell you we don't. Somebody will jump up and say something and we'll get to the car and say God wasn't in that. Was He? Did you feel God in that? And we ain't had God on us in years. What in the world? I tell you, we're drunk. We're drunken. And the Lord has poured out a spirit of deep sleep. Where's that leave us? I tell you, we better pray. We better pray that God would enlighten. Get your eyes off the brethren. Get your eyes off of another. Get your eyes off of uh, the family across the street. Get your eyes off of the man in the back and look inwardly and say, God, I need to be enlightened to me. Let me not to be drunken and deceived about my condition. Because I'm telling you, if God don't open our eyes, we'll be like this when we die. It's It's like that for the saved. If God back by and stir, we're going to remain where we are. God's the one that draws us farther. God's the one that makes us to grow. God's the one that calls us near. We need God to guide us and to lead us in this world. That's all that's on our heart. Let's stand just for a minute.